0: Welcome, welcome to the inaugural episode of the Bleak Outlook where your hosts, Yvonne and Andrew You know, it's finally safe for us to step outside in shorts And we're about to all out
1: This is optimum operating temperature for me right now 72 degrees, that's when I come alive um, Any colder than that And um, you're not really getting all of me You know what I mean?
0: yeah I can definitely relate to that <laughs> we descend from a tropical people as men society like to say you know
1: what the thing is like sometimes it's you know it's 60 degrees or something in, in the winter time and someone's like oh you know it's nice out today and I'm like no nah, no nah, nah, this is not my temperature this is not for me we'll still we'll the complaining for now it's nice out we love it the sun's out we got a good view from our suburban recording studios today uh if you haven't already done so, please go back and listen to our pilot episode. We're very proud of it. It was done in one take, peak blackness that day, complete with Malcolm X hats.
0: Today we're going to discuss something that is a pivotal part of black culture. It is at the epicenter of our seasons, of as soon as the weather is nice, our communal gatherings. It is, of course, the cookout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, the cookout is communal, it's cyclical, it's generational, it is life reaffirming. It is something that haps, has to happen at least once every summer, practically every spring. Like, the unofficial kickoff of cookout season is officially it's Memorial Day. It was like, yeah, when it's I'd Memorial so. Day, yeah, when that's when people got to start getting together. Now, the cookout has many aspects, uh, many different fills and different uh, schedules based on where you're from uh, you know based on the region you might call it a barbecue but this is more than just a regular barbecue this isn't just people getting together and putting meat on the grill no that that can be a Saturday of course the cookout has to be an event it has to be planned and something has to go wrong <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we've got to start late yeah it, it can't stand on time uh, yeah it has to be something different so that's what we're discussing today. We're going to go into the intricacies of what the cookout is and what it's what it brings to you. And also, who's allowed to come?
1: Mm, that's an important question that we need. That, to me, is very important because we have a lot of cultural conversation about who is allowed to be in, uh, invited to the cookout. I would posit that the cookout is a black safe space. So let's think about that as the episode goes on. Who do you want in your safe space? Um, so right now I'm listening to The Cooking Gene by Michael Twitty. This is a very, very important book to me as sort of a layman who's not um, very well versed in historical cooking or rather um, being a, a historical food writer or experienced in anything to do with Southern cooking or um, the ways that the different cuisines branch off. Um, it's just so interesting because he examines the roots of Southern cooking, the connection to slavery, and he also weaves in his own family history, his own personal story, which makes it just a very, very fascinating book. There are just so many things that stand out about this book. I'm not even done with it yet. Um, but one facet that really spoke to me was, um, The relationship with food gives a lot of very extensive descriptions about the heat of the fire, the way things smell, um, where he gets them from. And it's this relationship with the food is is how we learn to cook and how we learn to cook well. Uh, This was before recipe books and before people knew how to read. So there's one uh, part where he talks about how songs People sing songs to keep time with with cooking. And um they use their senses to be able to know when something was right. You know, this is this is how your your mom says, just a little bit of salt, right? <laughs> she says a little bit of salt because, you know, she's taking this uh this aspect she knows about cooking where she knows when that peak flavor is or when something looks right, when it has the right color. And in fact, in this book, he talks about how barbecue should be a particular color. And his, I think it was either his father or his grandfather was very satisfied with his answer that he knew not just um, mechanically how to cook uh, the the food, but he knew how it was supposed to look. And so he he had been um, assured that he had passed down that skill to him of not only mechanically knowing what should go into the barbecue, but what was actually going to make it good. He, he knew that he had passed on that relationship to the food to, um, you know, his descendant, which is much more important than really any recipe book, which is standing beside someone and, and learning the craft. Um, I think that, uh, that's part of the, the magic of, of black cooking and experiencing it at a cookout because, This is, you know, when we talk about who's bringing what to the, to the table, we ain't arguing about who's bringing the macaroni and cheese. Um, It's only one person bringing it. So whatever your version is, um, you don't have to bring it next time.
0: Yeah. And that is a cardinal sin to bring a dish that is an established rule. Every cookout has assignments because there's that person who is known to make the best mac and cheese. There's that person, you know, the, the common joke is who all, who all made the potato salad? <laughs> because you know, if you come every year and you eat Glenda's potato salad, and you know, that is fire. Mm-hmm. You don't want to come next year and find out Tasha read some, some blog and added some new ingredient. God and, forbid fa- Paula Dean. Yeah. <laughs> messed up the whole potato salad recipe or the mac and cheese recipe. And then you're like, I drove an hour and a half of this, mm-hmm. and y'all gonna let me know that you didn't save me some of Glenda's mac and cheese?
1: You you up in here having Tasha make the 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 the, the potato salad? Mm-hmm. Tasha can't put like cook worth a damn. She can't even boil water. You have her doing this stuff for me. This is an experience. This is a um, we're coming together to see the best of. You know, this is why we. There's some bold people. I don't know. Maybe you know some bold people still wearing white linen suits to to cookouts just to flex, but you know that's that's what it's about. And everything is on a schedule. Everything is pre-approved, so there is no room for um, anything but Heineken, mm-hmm. <laughs> Guinness, and maybe a red stripe. That's it.
0: Yeah, and uh, and of course, like again, it's like a regional or communal thing. So maybe in your part of town, like you. I know uh, my Latino friend, uh, he, they have something similar to the cookout, what they call the carne asada, mm-hmm. where it's the same principle. It's like a bunch of people get together, you know, the weather's nice, you just got to get together, and you're cooking a ton of food. And for them, it's like, there's it's established. You're bringing Modelo or whatever their drink mm-hmm. is. Like, there's no Corona at his, no, at his no. carne asada. And that might be for some people, but not, not at his family's function. No,
1: no, no, no. You can have a Corona any other weekend. We can throw things on the grill any other weekends. This is the event. Mm-hmm. And so we have to come with our best. This is, um, and as, of course, as we're going through this, we're, we're talking about who's allowed to come. This is not a time to bring the IPA that you discovered up in Massachusetts <laughs> this winter is not the time it's inappropriate. Um, you need to just holler at this Heineken and sit down. And of course, like if you bring in a girl, she's going to fix your plate because that's, these are also, you know, matters of decorum.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there's this episode of a podcast that both of us like called still processing. And in it, they talk about authentic barbecue. You know, there's the tastes, the methods, and there's mastery. in it. There's this grand tradition and mm-hmm. history into doing it. And that's, talking about preparing of the food, but there's also consuming the food, like depending on where you are. And in our case, we're talking about the black cookout specifically. Well, actually we, we should define the differences between a cookout and a barbecue. Mm-hmm. So a lot of places will call it a barbecue and a barbecue is just, you're preparing meat on a grill and everyone is getting together and you're consuming that meat. The When you say cookout, especially in the South, it's, described is known as it's more than just us eating the food. It's the little kids are gonna be running all over the park mm-hmm. or the backyard wherever you are. It's gonna be someone with some uncle with a professional music equipment that's hooked up, that's playing Frankie Beverly and Maze at some point.
1: It has to be. That's
0: playing Earth, Wind and Fire at mm-hmm. some point. Um and then everybody's going to, all your aunts are going to go crazy when Before I Let Go comes on. Absolutely. Yeah, and then now in the 2019 edition, the younger generation is going to be arguing with those aunties because Beyonce had the nerve, <clears> and <throat> she kind of, I'm not going to lie, I actually, I actually like
1: Beyonce's version, too. See, the thing is, is that in 2019, we ain't arguing, so we <laughs> um You're going to have to find a space for that Beyonce thing because we putting on Frankie Beverly regardless.
0: Yes, we're listen uh <laughs> the the beyonce version has to be saved for later in the day when a lot of the older people are, have gone already yeah because you know we're we're not at the stage yet where we're allowed to replace frankie beverly i don't no, know if we no, ever no, will no, no, be no, no. we can't do that uh, it's this is, uh, literally my entire life that song has come on and the whole mood of the party changes
1: is it's sacrosanct <laughs> yeah
0: and then of course there's the spades table there's the dominoes table the there might be the Uno table for the people who haven't graduated and learned how to play spades yet, <laughs> um, and there's like these different vibes of things that happen and these different activities and just ways that people are connected with each other that isn't commonplace in other cultures or um, these are I shouldn't say that these are things specific and common among black the black culture yeah. that you'll see
1: that we don't see uh, represented. Um in the same way, in mainstream culture, um, this this in particular is our our gathering where we experience um, our food as we like to to prepare it, as we like to eat it. The best of um, these are our dishes. These are uh, this is a way for us to immerse ourselves in a culture where we uh, spend a lot of our time actually um, outside of it. Um, so this is a way to just for us to come back to the mothership. And, uh, for those who are non-black, who have never been to a cookout, this, this is, this is how we, we come together and reaffirm ourselves as, um, not just family or very good friends, just people. We just have fun. We let loose. And that's all it is. It's, it's a, it's a cultural party, which speaks to you in a different way than, than other types of
0: parties do. I did some light research. I was trying to find out when was the first recorded cookout in history. I could not find it. But of course, as we've learned uh, before, everything comes back to slavery. Oh, yeah. So, of course. So, you know, in slavery times, you had, um, was, there was a practice, established practice of cooking outdoors, there was established practice of cooking communally because there weren't enough uh you didn't you didn't own anything because you were chattel slave you were chattel slaves people treated you like property Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like you could just go out and say you know what we're gonna go eat some chicken today no you got the leftovers you got the the bits and the pieces and had to make sense of it and you had to make do so the best way to do that was to pull resources
1: Mm, okay yeah
0: so you would work with the other slaves and you know, in the south they have the phrase called "you cook something from the ruta to the tuda," meaning there's not mm. a piece of that animal that goes wasted. Mm-hmm. So you will, God forgive me, <laughs> uh, you will eat chitlins, you will eat a hog nose, you will eat cow foot, the, depending on where you are. That's
1: and that is a very interesting part of it too. Is um, the cookout is a sorry to interject, but that's a way of bringing all of those sort of undesirable parts of the animal back and to celebrate it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting with actual like hot cuisine that there's been some resurgence in people eating awful, A-F-F-A-L as a category. Um, there's one dish I saw with a uh, coxcomb. Um, it's just, <laughs> just weird things that people are throwing away that these chefs are actually gathering in and saying, oh, you know, we've rediscovered this. But we haven't like there's a lot of people who never stopped eating that stuff and it was considered um, obviously, this is slave food. this is stuff that we throw away. This is not the the, the meat of it quite literally. This is the the, the trash. yeah and um, there's really something to being in a space where yeah, you know what this is this is part of the landscape of the meal. We're gonna eat this. there's no shame in this. this is who we are and this tastes good. Yeah,
0: and then you make the best of the situation. So you're outdoor, you're cooking the food that supposedly is undesirable. But if you put, as we've learned throughout history, if you put the right seasoning on anything, if you prepare it the right Mm. way, you can make a lot of things that are so-called undesirable very tasty. And they figured that out, and that's how the cookout was born, like the foundation of that. So Mm. as time goes on, we gain freedom. You know, um, a lot of people celebrate Juneteenth, you know, when – when slavery was officially ended throughout all the, the United States. Well, not officially, but, like, known. That's, like, kind of when, yeah, yeah. okay, everybody, we're free. From a policy perspective, yeah. probably. And in principle, <laughs> slavery was over, but yeah. y- y'all know how that go. <laughs> we saw hell on wheels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then, like, now you're, celebra- you're in a celebratory mood, and, you know, you work so hard all the time, and now you actually have the concept of free time or relaxation or vacation, mm-hmm. like, a day off. That's... People forget that weekends are, consi- are a relatively new thing. Like The work week was basically you worked all the time, except maybe on Sunday because you went to church. Well, now you're actually getting days off. You're getting vacations. Now you have Memorial Day to be that sign to say, everybody, let's mm-hmm. go cook out. Yeah, yeah. And so when you're celebrating, you do things. That when you celebrate, you're listening to music. You're playing games. You're telling funny stories. You're making fun of each other. You're letting the kids run around and form bonds with their cousins that lasts a long time when they end up growing up to do podcasts together. <laughs> that's that's kind of that's the place of the cookout. Exactly. Trey, how
1: you doing, baby? Fine. Right. Well, good. You just in time for the food. I was just going in to bring out the rest of the things. Potato salad, you name it, We got it. <laughs> well, everybody's here, so go ahead and have a good time.
0: Okay. All right, so now I think we should discuss our favorite part of the cookout. And for me, my favorite thing is the order that happens when the food gets set out. It is known you are not the first person that gets to touch that plate. (laughs) Like, oh, you just graduated law school? Congratulations, baby. Still, you got to wait in line. (laughs) Oh, Tony, you just came home from the military. Thank you for your service. Get in line. (laughs) (laughs) It is known that the first person to touch that food is gonna be the eldest relative mm-hmm. and then or whoever she deems worthy to get food in her group. So that might be her favorite brother, like you mentioned. Yeah. It might be her favorite grandbaby. And like, oh come on, get a plate, baby. That I love that. And no one goes crazy, no one throws a fit, like everyone's like, well I was waiting a lot first. It's like, nah. This is the way that is grandma gets to skip the line. So you you better not say a word. And I just love that part. I love that People have that respect for her. People have that knowledge, and it's just implied and understood.
1: Mm. My favorite part of the cookout. Um. I think, Uh. you know, we guard, I know for me, I guard a lot of um, the things I want to say and how expressive I want to be whenever um, I'm in sort of public spaces or at work or whatever, and the thing i love is toward this is like after we've eaten after things are sort of partially cleaned up and people start telling like these really vibrant stories uh this like like our it's not even like fireside chats like FTR. like this is um when people are telling you about like our uncle will tell us about like uh old things that happen in jamaica he told a story once um and this was at my my mother's like we had a little birthday party for her. He was talking about how this guy, he refused to go to church. He refused to, you know, really be part of that, you know, uh, part of that community at all. And he says, you know, God's going to have to break my back to get me into church. And it happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> and you, and you know, his sto- his stories are so lit, right? So this man, um, his house collapsed, His part, part of his house collapsed, like his roof collapsed in on him, and it broke his back. Or like, it, either his back or his legs, he's like, God's gonna have to break my legs to get me to church. And the house partially collapsed and he broke bones. And so when he recovered, they wheeled him into church, because that was like the sign. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Jesus Christ, literally. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy stuff like that that you'll hear. Or he was talking about somebody, um, an Obia man, like, uh, what do you want to say? Like, like a, I don't want to say a witch doctor or shaman or whatever, but, um, probably someone in the tradition of like voodoo religion type of thing that they had like cast a spell on it. Someone had tried to cast a spell on him or something and, um he was talking about like a room being full of candles and him knocking down you know all these candles and setting the room on fire or something i'm not even telling the story correctly but just those things those really animated moments that um this is uh i love that tradition of uh passing down tales so i i I love stories and that's really that's my favorite part hey baby uh that's my son uh that's the, my favorite part is when, when stuff gets real. Now let's get to the fun part. At some point it became a cultural badge of honor to be metaphorically invited to the cookout. So many people have been, you know, Oh, take could dance. Oh, oh, I see you. I see you. You're getting addicted to the cookout. Um, but we have to really pare this down because it's, it's out of control. Um, is too many free passes getting, give, you know, given out. So it's, it's getting a little out of hand. We have to kind of, um, we need a bouncer at the door, mm-hmm. the metaphorical door mm-hmm. to the cookout. Um, so we need to, need to establish, and Andrew and I both have our nominees of our alabaster brethren who are permitted to come to the cookout. So, Andrew, I'll let you take it away.
0: Okay. Now, the people that I've nominated... They are not the best or the most elite of white people. However. (laughs) The most elite. Yeah, they're not. They're not like presidents. And like, you know, a lot of people, they just quickly say, oh, yeah, Bill Clinton can come to the cookout. Mm. Like, have you paid attention to the past few years? I'm not sure I want Bill Clinton to my cookout. Have you read his policy on crime and punishment? Please, no. But so these guys are not among the elite, but they represent the type of white person, the everyday white person that I want to see at the cookout. So, yes, these people might have some flaws, but they, keep in mind, they are representative of who I want at the cookout. First nominee, John B. Mm-hmm. Girl, it's all right, baby. I can see it in your eyes, yeah. Now, I'm not inviting John B just because he was a white guy that like sang R&B music. There's been lots of those. However, I'm a whole category. It's called
1: blue eyed soul. Exactly. (laughs) I'm
0: inviting John B because unlike a lot of other guys in those categories, Mm. he didn't use that as a stepping stone to just go back to whiteness when it was convenient for him. Exactly. He's like saying, no, this is the type of music I like. This is what I'm doing. But aside from that, John B was good because he represents the ultimate level of whiteness in black spaces where this guy is clearly white. But he is cool and comfortable in his whiteness. That's right. He's not playing the stereotypes of what supposedly blackness is. He's not being like, girl. He's not like trying to Mm -hmm. be one of those type of people who is like, oh yeah, you know, that guy is secretly black. No. John B. always was presenting himself as like, yeah, I'm white, but I'm cool. Like, that's what he was. He was just like, you know, I'm John from the block. You know, I like to describe him as white Mike, because (laughs) Every friend group has like a white mic. It's just like some guy <laughs> that just showed up one day. You're like, Oh yeah, that's that's white Mike. He's cool because there's always another mic in the hood mm-hmm. or in your neighborhood. Of course. So you gotta specify, oh, that's white Mike. You know, this is could be your college roommate, mm-hmm. the the guy that was on the basketball team with you and he went to a diverse school, he just hung around. In the case of a woman, it could just be the the white girl who was on the cheerleading squad of course. and she had a car and you got a friend became friends with her. She wasn't the Regina George type. So you guys bonded. <laughs> That That's who John B. is to me. He's just a white guy <laughs> yes. who knows he's white. He's not trying to be uh, cool or put on or anything. He's just naturally himself, and he's comfortable around black people. He's who I think Amanda Seals would
1: refer as someone
0: who happens to be white. Exactly.
1: So he, he is not like a white person where he's attaching himself to whiteness and sort of digs into that and thinks it's um, a critical portion of their identity, right? Mm-hmm. Because with whiteness comes like... Uncomfortably suppression of 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 black people, silencing of you know indigenous and you know gay and trans and all these things. Um, Someone who happens to be white knows that um, this is BS, the whole construct of race, but is able to uh, move in a way in their environment where they recognize people as people Mm -hmm. and recognize how their race contributes to it so they're not deleting that blackness to make themselves comfortable because they don't want to think of the oppression that white people have imposed upon black people they understand it and they're willing to incorporate that identity of you as a black person into how they relate to you Mm -hmm. they don't forget that that it's you know they're not they're gonna tell you that they don't see color they see your (laughs) (laughs) they see your color quite clearly and they know that that's essential part of accepting you as a person so Mm -hmm. john b
0: that's nominee number one. Siobhan, do you have a nominee that you like to share?
1: Mm, uh, so I had one nominee, and uh, you had brought something up, and I'm kind of like reconsidering. But I think it might be a good choice. Um, Alton Brown, <laughs> Food Network. <laughs> Alton Brown? Yeah. He is, um, I mean, I guess I, I can let this secret out maybe. I've been using his macaroni and
0: cheese recipe for like 10 years. Siobhan. What? You're using a macaroni and cheese recipe that you didn't inherit from, like, five generations oh ago? Oh, my God.
1: Like, so many people are unsubscribing oh, right like now. We just
0: lost at least 30% of our listeners
1: right now. <laughs> Which is, like, <laughs> three people. <laughs> it's like, your dad, stopped listening. I think that um, he's a Southern man. I think that, so, when you're at a cookout, um, and this is something that... Uh, I heard from uh, Lavia Jais. She says everything is cultural. So when you're at a, a black cookout, um, I feel like Alton would, as a Southern man, he's probably grown up in some proximity to black people. And I think at the very least, even if like he didn't cook something or offer to cook something, because I think he does cook very well, he would um, be respectful of the decorum. Mm-hmm. And he would really kind of move in and settle in and exist in the culture and not try to be anything or try to um change the vibe. So that was kind of my pick. But honestly like if you wanted to be bring a dish like I wouldn't be opposed. Wow. That's a lot of conscious. See, see see that's that's, see, that's, that's bold.
0: That's bold <laughs> to be the white guy who shows up with a dish that's like a main staple or main or side item. Like that's that's I kind of respect it, but at the same time, I'm like, ooh, I don't know, that, man. That, that's,
1: I think that he would try really hard. And yeah. the thing is, he's he's more of like, um, he reaches, researches a lot of the flavors, the history. He actually works, you know, when he was on his show, Good Eats, was working with like a food anthropologist. Mm-hmm. So I think he does his research and he does his homework. That's a, I know, that's a bold choice. Yeah, I really like,
0: choice. yeah, I just kind of like, I hit you with it. For, yeah, for our white <laughs> listeners... Be careful uh, when you show up to the cookout. <laughs> you know, it, it never hurts to breathe a guy that shows up with alcohol or ice or extra <laughs> napkins. You know, on your first try, you're not... I really... I don't feel comfortable sending you out there with recommending that you do a dish. Alton Brown, maybe, because he's a professional. He's got some training and some years of experience. I'll let him take that shot. But you, as a regular person, tread lightly.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that was my... It's a bold first choice. No, I'm right. sorry. <laughs> uh, okay, let me go for my second uh, nominee. So this one was... Um, this is going to be a posthumous uh, um, invite. And um, who I chose was Anthony Bourdain. Anthony mm-hmm. Bourdain. And the reason why, and I'm going to tell you, out of any, <laughs> any white person on the planet... He gets the award. I've watched um, a lot of his uh, his television episodes, um, Parts Unknown, and um, there was another show that was when he left, uh, whatever, CNN network, he had done another show. Um, he went to a, Afri- and I forget what country it was, um, an African country, where he was with Bushmen. And they had killed like, a, let's say a boar or something and one of their honorary dishes for a uh, a guest was basically like the rectum of this animal and uh they had uh you know prepared this this dish and you know put it under coals underground and he sat there like the most calm guest and ate this unseasoned like lower portion of intestine
0: that
1: hadn't now it hadn't been washed and he ate it on camera. He didn't puke. He didn't make any commentary, you know, off camera, you know, as, as soon as people had their backs turned. Now that for me is quintessentially someone who knows what an honor it is for you to be invited for you to be given what this culture feels is the best or the, the most like um honorable gesture to to a guest and he accepted it. And I I'm not sure he ever referred to it as much of anything else. He's like, I once ate this and it was very challenging, but these people were honoring me by giving this to me. And so I ate it. I took it. I had to and he did that in many cultures and it, you know, we can talk about the impact of um, sort of white presenters going to, uh, you know, indigenous cultures and the impact they make on their local economy or, you know, the carbon footprint, carbon footprint they have from their, you know, their boats and their, uh, what equipment they have to bring and all this type of stuff. But I think that he has always been very, very respectful of indigenous cultures that honor him with a particular dish, whether he was comfortable or not. And he, um, he had always taken that step of being just the most um, humble guest. Mm-hmm. And so I think he would be someone who would come to a cookout and he would experience it. And just lay in a cut and take whatever you're giving him and say thank you and say this is, you know, just commune with you and and let you talk and let you tell your story. And in turn, I think the episodes that he produced, just the camera work and the, um, the voiceover that he gave, I think that if he were actually making a profile of, a, a, of an American cookout, he would do a fantastic job of capturing those things because he um doesn't center the conversation on himself he says i'm a vehicle for people to observe this very very beautiful thing behold this beautiful thing and so um damn anthony bourdain rest in peace and um yeah you know if uh just a public service announcement if um you know the way that he passed if you're ever feeling that um you know, there's one day that you can't make it. Uh, there are resources out there. So please seek them out. Seek out a friend, seek out a loved one, a professional, somebody's here for you. Somebody appreciates you. So that was my pick.
0: Excellent pick. Thank you. Thank now, now I think we should sort of flip the script a little bit and, Let's talk about who cannot come <laughs> there. As Siobhan mentioned earlier, people have gotten very free with the invite to the cookout. Mm-hmm. People inviting people willy nilly. Like there are certain people just because they exist, <laughs> have gotten, <laughs> have gotten invites to the cookout and <laughs> Justin Timberlake.
1: Uh, ooh, ooh. We can talk about like on, on a separate occasion that he's trash. Um, but <clears throat> we can go get into that right now. But no, um, Justin cannot come. But I go go ahead, continue, continue.
0: Yeah, so let's let's talk about that. Who do you think should not be able to come?
1: And this is going to upset people who have invested a little bit of time and a little bit of like, um, I don't know, ovarian excitement in this person. Um, This is the orange is the new black bay. Oh God, I know exactly what you're talking about. The dude that's always on Twitter. He, yeah.
0: he played the security guard who got uh, the girl pregnant. Yes, yes, yes.
1: And he, um, there was one Instagram post or something he had where he was holding up a picture of, uh, I forget which book. It was um, The New Jim Crow. He's holding up, um, like I'm reading this now and he doesn't have a shirt on. He's like, I'm getting my knowledge up. Um So no, he can't come. And the reason why is that um, certain people get too down, get too committed to being part of a group Mm -hmm. without really knowing how to lean back a little bit and kind of chill. I think that woke bays in general, um, they can get out of pocket like really fast and, you have to be very careful and kind of let them know like on the quickness, like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you're you're at 60 miles per hour. This is a 25 zone. Slow it down. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I I think he would get a little bit too comfy. I think that he would probably attempt to uh, engage in some political conversation that would um, get him in trouble. (laughs) If, if we're talking about police brutality and the phrase, there's fault on both sides, come out of your mouth, then Ooh. like
0: you you just stepped on a mind joke, son. <laughs> like, and you, uh, what's, what's the phrase right in front of my salad? <laughs>
1: nah, like that, that's kind of my perspective is that like woke bays, you got to be careful with them because they have a certain level of like, um, performance,
0: yeah, and they feel the need to be on. It's like, well, you know, and you know what the great example, the the classic from uh, Get Out, I would have voted for Obama three <laughs> times if I could. That's woke bait. That's a guy yes. that's performative uh, understanding. I don't want that. I want you to genuinely understand what we're talking about and just be comfortable here. Like, I didn't come here to... Discuss the intricacies of black white relations. Mm-hmm. So don't feel the need that you need to do that. We can talk about sports. We can argue about Jordan versus LeBron. Yeah. Or as we mentioned earlier, uh, we can argue, argue Frankie Beverly versus May, uh, Amaze versus Beyonce, which we're not going to do. We ain't arguing. Yeah, we're not doing that. But, you know, there are certain things you can do. Don't come in here trying to like <laughs> be, d- dictate the conversation and, yeah, and be- just to show off how woke you are. Uh, yeah, like, like, um, That's the
1: thing is like, leave that to your Rasta uncle (laughs) because you know, he's the first and okay. This is another like public service announcement. Your Rasta uncle. And I'm talking about people, listeners who are in their late thirties, maybe early forties, your Rasta uncle back in the day, he was right. He was correct. (laughs) He was telling y'all about companies that put all this harmful stuff in your body. He was telling you to stop eating meat. He was telling you to, you know, watch out for these people at the workplace because they will sell you up a river. Mm-hmm. He was right. He was right about. Now, look, look, uh, Monsanto. That's the devil right there is Monsanto. Mm-hmm.
0: Your, your uncle was telling you about Whole Foods before Whole Foods existed. Exactly. He was telling you about all these companies. Everybody want to be organic and vegan. Now your uncle was the original vegetarian. So. He
1: was making ital stew on, the, on, <laughs>
0: <laughs> on a Sunday and you ain't want to eat it because yep. you wanted that turkey.
1: You wanted that chicken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, leave that political um, conversation to the Rasta uncle, let him drive it. Just chill in a cut, maybe add a little bit, but mostly it's for you to take it in. It's not for you to center it around yourself or say like, well, I know about this and I am reading this because honestly, as black people, we ain't reading everything to do with being black because, I mean, I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I'll see something on Netflix and I know it's about like black struggle. It instantly makes me tired. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen Fruitvale Station because every time I look at it, I'm just like, I can't right now. Yeah. And that I was a black struggle year,
0: cause I, yeah, because I think like 13 years of Slave was that year or first one after? 12 years. Yeah. 12 years. Sorry. <laughs> see, no, you know what? I <laughs> completed that with uh, 13, the documentary. Yes. Yeah. And there's a lot going on. But see, that, my point is like there was a lot going on at yeah, the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, moving on. I uh, will also ban someone for overstepping their bounds, and that is Michael Rapaport. Oh, my God. I cannot stand this. Movie. No. Listen. I'm tired of him trying to be the arbiter of what the culture is, and dictate to people how they should feel. Listen, you did a great job with that Tribe Called Quest documentary. We appreciate yeah, it as an art, as an artist, you get ton of credit for that. But that does not give you a right to jump into conversations on blackness and black culture mm-hmm. just because. And I don't care if you're from New York, you still are a white. Man, trying to tell other black people how to deal with and process their blackness. No, that's, uh, not, that's not No, that's not your place. So, yeah. So, Remy, you need to uh, go sit down somewhere, <laughs> Outside of, you know what?
1: There's plenty of rental space in this um, state park. Find another place. And, you know, another thing about people like Ma- uh, Michael Rappaport and also Gary Owens. I mean, he's another one don't talk about black women don't dog out black women like because if if a black man or you hear other black men dogging out black women you all you got to do is you got to sip your lemonade maybe your eyes go wide like oh boy he done stepped in it but don't contribute don't don't join people in dogging out their their you know their own kind mm-hmm. because i can make fun of my cousin but the minute you come out of left field talking about andrew this andrew that i'm like oh, oh really yeah. That's that's kind of the way it is. So um those those white guys who have always, always sort of been down and and been very in the culture who still are dogging out black women like we don't have a need for you.
0: Yeah. So bye. And don't be like, "Oh yeah, I'm just talking about my wife." Or my wife. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. like you got to be careful mm-hmm. with the jokes, mm-hmm. man. And when uh when someone says, "What do you think, Todd?" It's a trap. Todd, do not answer that. <laughs> just be like, "I love my wife, man. I don't know what to tell you, brother." I, I, you, you, are the expert on this, man. You, Who doesn't you know. love a black woman? And that, that's the way you respond to every question. If if you're at a cookout and as a white person, and someone asks you, "What do you think?" You just be like, you know what? I like what that other person said. Exactly. I agree with him or her. It and is not your. It that.
1: <laughs> it's not your time to shine. That's a. I mean, your time to shine is going to be like a three pointer from like far court. Like this is a rare occurrence. So just take that L. <laughs> so we had our fun but on the real um no white person ever named in media can come to the cookout like never um we've been describing the cookout as a seminal portion of our black experience this is um our time to center around our culture. This is our safe space. This is our music. This is um, our showmanship with our outfits, with our hair, with what we've been doing with our lives. This is our way to um, kind of exit our usual experience and be able to celebrate in a real way. Um, so if you are not peoples, then why would you come? Mm. You would never come. You would never be invited. And No. And what we're saying about like Gary Owens or, you know, Michael Rapport, people who might even be married to black people. That's not necessarily like an in either, because you have to be someone to chill in a cut. You have to be someone to to contribute in a way that we need you to contribute or hang back. And I, I don't feel like anybody in media who we've ever named as coming to the cookout is ever people like that. I don't know that they even dwell in black spaces like that. So I, I would never want any of them there.
0: Yeah. And, and to that point, like a lot of black America has to live in uh, predominantly white spaces for economic, economic reasons. And that's not by accident. That's structural. It was set up that way. So the cookout is supposed to be this haven for that. It's a place where we can let our hair down, or up, depending on your corporate policies. <laughs> uh, it's a place where we get to do our our own thing, have our culture, it, and just live and just survive. Like you, you learn certain things at the cookout. You learn how to survive. You learn how to live in a world where you're not in a space where you're surrounded by love and positivity and reinforcement and things that are of you and of your culture. So. At the cookout, there are some different standards that white people may n- technically not be exposed to. Um, no one's going to teach you how to play spades or dominoes.
1: No, that's it, that's not the time for you to learn.
0: Yeah, you. I've never been taught dominoes. You know how I learned dominoes? Being quiet and watching other people play dominoes.
1: <laughs> See, that's what we're talking about. Close your mouth,
0: open your eyes, open your ears. Yeah, it's like you, you're never sp- explicitly taught that thing. You, it's just something you observe. And you pick up through osmosis or whatever the principle is.
1: I did not know you know how to play dominoes. Yeah, uh,
0: because remember, my, my dad used to take me to hang out with his friends when I was younger. You know, mm-hmm. that was his way of keeping me out of trouble and all that stuff. So <laughs> when he had to go play soccer uh, on, on the weekends, I, me and my brother went. I sat down. I read my book. But at the end, him and his friends, would, they didn't want to go home yet. It's Saturday. They're in the park. Mm-hmm. They're eating food. They go buy food. People get some drinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, next thing you know, it's a, like an informal cookout. Uh, I wouldn't apply the cookout phrase to it because it wasn't planned. So okay. it was assumed. So that's more of a like just sure. hanging out. yeah. Mm-hmm. But at those times, you know, someone brings out the domino table and they're just smacking it on. And I'm just looking and watching. Well, why did he put down the double six? I was like, oh, it's because he doesn't want to give this person another out. He doesn't want them mm-hmm. to have another uh, uh, card to play, essentially.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so mm-hmm. you start to pick up those things and the strategy of it, not just the rules of the that game, interesting. but the way to play the game. And that's how you learn. And the cookout is not the time to try to, so teach me how to play spades. No. You that don't person,
1: even let that come out your mouth.
0: Yeah, that is the worst thing you can say.
1: <laughs> and besides, like we said, everything is prearranged. So the people who are going to be playing spades or dominoes, those people already know that they're playing. They already, some people bring their own table. Mm-hmm. This is for them to play, this is for you to observe. Don't ask. If you want to play dominoes, you bring your own table. You have your own group. We're not mixing because this is what you're what you're seeing at at a dominoes game is probably a continuation of multiple arguments. So this is the way that they're settling it.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, also, super important: wash your hands, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wipe your hands. Even when you have clean hands, never touch and or never taste anything with your hands or lick your fingers. That's just Put bad form.
1: Bad form. Um, let people see you wash your hands. Or, like, just, just say it out loud, like, you know, let me go wash my hands first. And mm-hmm. then people, okay, okay, okay. Because that's a lot of what we encounter. And um, our aunt sent us a, <laughs> said it's a picture on the group text of how Jamaicans enjoy the potluck, which is a picture of um, the, the, the plate of food in the garbage, yeah. basically. Um, I was... <laughs> And this is very, it's very important about cleanliness at these cookouts because, you know, we say everything is cultural. When we're in other cultures, they don't have the same practices we do. And we have to kind of be polite about it, um, but we're not going to be polite in our space. Like I was, I, there was a, a work potluck and um, I ate someone's uh, pasta dish and uh, got very sick that night. Mm. And uh, three other people called out sick. Mm. So when we say that um, there's certain decorum, certain form, you don't want that to be you. So let people hear that you're going to wash your hands and do so and do it thoroughly. Um, That way, if anyone does get sick, that's their own fault. And we can attribute that to something else. But for you to bring a pathogen into our potato salad, that's that's a cardinal sin.
0: Yep. And finally, there are no special requests for ordinary people. Mm-hmm. Let me say that one more time. There are no special requests for ordinary people. You eat what is being served. So you're on that vegan journey. I praise you. I thank you for saving the environment and the animals. I think that's fantastic. But you better figure out what on this table <laughs> doesn't concern dairy or meat, because there will be no vegetarian dishes prepared for you at the cookout, and uh, or you better go sit next to your Rasta uncle and find <laughs> out what he's eating, because I exactly. promise you that's he's he's the only one. He's a veteran of this. He knows yeah. uh, who puts uh, pork in the greens, mm-hmm. and he knows uh, who uh, makes the mac and cheese with uh, extra dairy. So you better figure it out.
1: Exactly. Um, there are only particular people who are given that courtesy. Let's say if you have um, your grandmother or um, an aunt who's like the matriarch of, of the cookout, her brother may be able to get a special dish. That's but the point. thing is, he will have his dish cooked separately and his food will yep. be brought and bypassed the whole cookout altogether. Yep, He has his plate already made. All those main dishes that are laid out for the remainder, that's that's up to you to figure out um but uh that also goes for meat that goes on the grill there are certain people who may not eat red meat and will get a set of turkey burgers or i've even seen salmon burgers that again is for special people who we've already arranged and established that they will receive special treatment everybody else um game of thrones or something yeah. I'm looking for a reference for, like, you know, every man for himself. <laughs> Chaos is a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched it. It's a big commitment. You
0: still haven't watched it? Oh you know, my God. You know what you want?
1: We're not even going to get into we that. We're not going to get into honestly, that because honestly,
0: I just finished the series and I'm starting a rewatch now, but part of me is like, when I see how great it started and how then, you know what? No. No, we're not going to go there. I'm, I'm going to save you a couple of years and say, <laughs> you know what? You can, you can kind of skip it. Don't, don't worry about it. If, unless you're, if you're comfortable not knowing the references by now, mm-hmm. don't bother.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, this is all to wrap up and to say like the real ones don't need to broadcast it. The real ones, they just come and actually people expect you to be there. Um, If, if you don't come. They're going to be looking to to blow up your phone like, hey, Billy, you ain't coming to the cookout. What happened to you? <laughs> they ain't accepting no excuses. Even if you come up to just show your face and leave, that's part of it. Um, the cookout is... And we don't want to over-politicize, over-state it, but it's a cultural experience. We're teaching people how to move in their space. We're appreciating them for who they are. Cousin, your hair looks bangin' today. Who's gonna tell you that but another black woman? And that's gonna be a special thing. And we're learning how to cook, how to play dominoes, not with recipes, not with things written down, but by touch, by taste, by relation. And that's part of our culture is to To bring things into a communal space and accept them and breathe them in it's the original indigenous the original just um i don't know connection to the earth to the environment to each other and uh, that's what we're about that's the team
0: all right and that's gonna do it for us um thanks again for joining us as always uh, we're closing out with this track That you hear in the background It's by the Stuyvesant's Called Good Times Oh and yeah Now if you'll excuse us We need to go join the party uh, The food has been put out And I just got one question Who all made the potato salad?
1: Me don't know right Aunt B Aunt well, I'm I'm, 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 I'm Beatrice Okay S-O Party with Kelly, everybody. party I'm... Right. So they're from Baratis. Oh, okay. yes. yes, Benna oh. and Wona. <laughs> I forget nothing. Benna
0: <laughs> and Wona. <laughs>
1: All right. So like, yes. Vibrillin.
0: Oh, Oh, Jesus. <laughs>
1: Ricky, <laughs> just hands. Yeah. It's 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 your, your it. it. Alabas. La <laughs> uh, yeah. <a> la <laughs> come here. Ricky comes under um. The Edgerton. 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 No, Edgerton. Edgerton. No, I know
0: Edgerton. Edgerton. That is making stuff up no. now. No, no. You guys, you name just cities. I worked on no, 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 no,
1: Don't no, 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 E R T O N. That's his name. Edgerton. 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 Yes. yes. I work with a Edgerton. <laughs> huh? She had kids before. She, she had kids, old. but she wasn't married. She wasn't married. No. We can fill in. We can fill in the fathers later. <laughs> she have Edgerton, Edgerton, and Visa. What up? What up? I'm gonna get me on the party. That's your first demand. Visa, what time Okay. This is the plot to every soap opera. Okay, Let's then stop then back I'll to Anita. <laughs> we're not Anita different. Have? Okay, so who is Anita? Oh, Anita oh, is from B- Bibi. What is Bibi's? Mildred. Mildred. I'm like, what the hell? No, because they were twins <laughs> and they called them Bibi and Cece. No correlation. No correlation. Mildred had Ricollet no, and Michael. There was oh, There was, that's that's there was Mills. Okay. That's so your coming from. <laughs> okay. i mean, I'm glad I was born in America. <laughs> okay, um let me see. now. What can you give us anything more on the Robinson's? We're gonna produce
0: it, Andrew. That's gonna be a soap opera for the ages. Can you imagine?
1: So there comes a normal version. Uh if we want
0: to pick and then we need one
1: we need another book. Oh my gosh. Don't try hard to touch it. We need, we need